0: Welcome to Talking Points, a ballet and dance podcast where we speak with some of the most extraordinary and famous dancers, artistic directors and choreographers. I'm your host, Claudia Lawson. In this season, we're bringing you 10 beautiful interviews exploring not just the inspiration and career of our guests, but all that other stuff that surrounds ballet and dance. Regrets, inspiration, bullying, body image, sexuality, lifelong friendships, retirement, and even how to find a new career when
1: the curtains finally close. I can't believe we're is this. No? Yep, it's oh gone. my God. I can't <laughs> believe we're both nervous. I know
0: we're really nervous.
1: Should we explain to everyone that we've actually known each other since we were like seven years old?
0: Yeah. Today I'm speaking with my lifelong friend, Adam Blanche. Adam's story has often been compared with Billy Elliot. He grew up in a tiny town in regional Australia called Weston. It's about an hour's drive west of Newcastle. In this tiny town, everyone can always remember that Adam was dancing. And so, at the age of six, Adam's mum and dad enrolled him in the local ballet class. Held in the local hall, he was the only boy. And so his life in dance began. In this very candid and courageous interview, Adam opens up about his childhood the bullying he suffered, his sexuality, but also the joys and the adventures he's had along the way to ultimately create the career and the life of his dreams. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, okay. I want you to take me back to the beginning.
1: The beginning. Yeah, at birth?
0: Birth. Where did you grow up?
1: <laughs> I grew up in a town called Weston. Newcastle's about an hour and a half north of Sydney. And then I would say Cessnock is maybe an hour west. Okay, yeah. And I'm between Cessnock and Newcastle mm-hmm. in a little town called Weston. It's the kind of place where the video store, the news agency and the oh. bank and we're all in one little Shop. room. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so why why there? Why, we, why was your mum and dad Living in Western?
1: Well, I feel like they never kind of flew far from the nest. So my grandma was in Western and my aunties were in Western. I think um, my other grandma was in Curry Curry. I feel like my dad's side of the family, they came from Warhope up near Port Macquarie. Oh, yeah. And I think they kind of moved to western Newcastle in the 50s or 60s. So where are they working? Dad was at the aluminium plant and then mum was working at the state bank, the colonial state bank at the time.
0: Wow. So how did you start ballet?
1: I was always mega active and kind of when I see videos of myself when I'm like three or six years old or I am just dancing around, like constantly entertaining. There's always a wooden spoon in my hand and I'm always demanding everybody's attention. And so I think at some point I just got too much and they were just like, put him in dance dance class. But I think the way it actually happened was mum had just had my sister and up at the local civic hall, she was taking an aerobics class and next door was a dance class and I just had this feeling that it was cheaper than babysitting to kind of just <laughs> throw me into the dance class with a gorgeous lady called Karen Ann Thomas and I think it was Dance Image Studios and it would have been 1988. I was really, apart from the odd boy, mm-hmm. I was the only one in the dance class until when I was a teenager.
0: Did you get bullied?
1: Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, being the only male dancer, the name-calling was pretty horrific. and But I think at the time as well, I mean, kids aren't... in incredibly intelligent, and I always kind of think the kids that said it to me, like, they don't know those words themselves. They've obviously heard it from their parents. Mm -hmm. The parents have said it to them and they're just kind of regurgitating it to me. Mm -hmm. So it was the usual things, like gay, faggot. I'm pretty sure it was grade five or grade six and it was my birthday, and someone wrote on blackboard, because my nickname was gay. I mean, not very original, but someone wrote on the blackboard, happy birthday gay, in big letters, and the teacher just let it stay on the blackboard for the entire day.
0: Actually makes me teary.
1: I mean, I used to laugh about it as well now, but at the time it was quite traumatising.
0: Like no adult, no teacher rubbed that off. No, nope, it said just anything.
1: stayed That No one said anything. But I think as well it was just that generation. Like if someone did that to you and you kind of complained about it or, you know, you expressed, oh, I'm upset it was kind of the mentality was to say... Toughen up. Yeah, or like, you know, don't let them see you, don't let them know that it's bothering you. Or, you know, you've got to stand up to them, which is kind of, you know, I would have been, what, 11, 12? And I didn't even know what that meant. No. Really, you know what I mean? Like, who's thinking about sexual connotations when they're 11 and 12? Like, no-one understands what it means. No. But do you know what I think? I didn't come out until I was quite a lot older, maybe 24, 25, And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that I didn't know what these words meant, Mm. but I knew there was a lot of hate associated with them. So I just kind of always thought like, don't be that thing because everybody hates it. And I think that kind of stayed with me yeah. for a long time. So yeah.
0: you make it through high school. So who Made are you training under now, Marie?
1: Okay, I'm still training jazz class and everything with Karen. Mm-hmm. Like, she's fantastic. And then I knew of Marie Walton Martin. I had friends that went there. And also the big thing was there were other boy male dancers. Mm -hmm. So I think it was an opportunity to kind of be around them. And so I was training with Marie in the afternoons well. So when we say Marie,
0: we're talking about the one and only Marie walton
1: Marie walton both our teachers. Mm
0: -hmm. We both trained under her. Oh my
1: God. Incredible woman, Mm -hmm. very inspiring. Yeah, she's very special to me. Like I'm still working with her at the moment. I'm working with her on her program and... Yeah, progressing
0: ballet technique. Absolutely. I feel yeah. like she's
1: been a mentor in my life now since I was 12, which yeah. is huge.
0: And from what I remember, it was such a warm, inclusive, like you must have just thrived there.
1: I did thrive there and I've had these amazing friends and, you know, I was pushed. Like I think on some level I probably even became more social than kind of focused on dance. Like, I love the ballet and I feel like I worked very hard, but how good? Do you remember just, like, running wow. down and playing in the park? <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: okay, so
1: you're at Marie's. i at Marie's. So
0: where to? So what happens?
1: What happens? I'm there until maybe the age of 14, 15, 15, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah,
0: 15, And then 16, yep.
1: I get into the Australian Ballet School, which, looking back, like, I know... Like it was great, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think for me as well, part of taking up ballet and going to the Australian Ballet School was I knew it was the fastest way to get out of my situation trying to dance in that country town. So I don't even know if ballet originally was the best fit for me. Like I didn't naturally have good feet, like I was turned out, I was bendy. I didn't have that classic ballet facility, but I just knew it was the quickest way to get where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So I go to the Australian Ballet School and I'm there for three years.
0: Okay. So you train through their three-year course, you
1: graduate. I graduate, I think it was halfway or towards the end of my third year. I knew I wasn't going to get into the Australian Ballet, but I got offers from three other companies. Actually, no, I got it. Marilyn Rose said to us, Queensland Ballet needs a boy, you're all going to go up to audition. So everyone packed, but I just packed like I was never coming back. Like I was like, I'm getting this job, wow. and so I went. We did the audition, and I got the job. And so I never who went. Who was artistic back. director then? That was Francois Klaus okay. back at the time. So and what?
0: You didn't actually graduate from the Australian Ballet. I went
1: back and got my graduation because I did the graduation performance. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I left in maybe October. Okay. Then I start my career.
0: And so, is this stuff from your schooling years still following you?
1: I think now. I think it followed me around for a while. I mean, I can talk about it now. Yeah. Which is something. Like, I don't think I did that for a really long time. No, and even as
0: close friends, we never spoke about
1: it. No. I had no
0: idea that it even had happened. Okay, so now you're in Queensland. I'm
1: in Queensland.
0: And you said it wasn't, like, the best fit.
1: I think I was there four or five years, and at the start I absolutely loved it. Like, I think it was a job, and, oh, my God, Claudia, I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting paid $400 (laughs) a week. (laughs) I mean... And I remember telling my dad, Dad, they're paying me $400 a week. And he was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, this was back when Brisbane rent was like $70 a week. So, you know, I could save. And, I, I mean, it was a job.
0: I mean, we and laugh, was, but, like, you know, that will work. they were the wages, right?
1: They were the wages. And it was a great gig to start with. And I got promoted quite quickly. I mean, I was doing principal roles in, like, my first year. And, you know, we had some really great international choreographers come out. It was really great. I think it just got to a point, like, I didn't love Brisbane Mm -hmm. as a city. Like, it wasn't kind of, I'm not good with the heat to start with. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just, and, you know, maybe I just felt a bit limited there. Um, I started to travel. I started to go overseas, you know, on holidays. And I just felt like there was something more. And I just felt towards the end, it was like, you know, when a casting sheet comes up and you just go, I know what I'm going to be doing before I even look at it and I know the steps that I'll get to do like I was a good jumper, I could turn, I was a good performer so I had to do something theatrical. And I think towards the end I did that thing which I really try my hardest not to do anymore. I let myself get bitter. And so I kind of just stayed there and I was getting really frustrated with the scenario. And like, you know when people talk to you and you just have nothing positive to say, Mm -hmm. you just go straight into something negative. I was becoming that person and I was like 22, 21, 22. Mm -hmm. So I was actually young. And when I think about it now, probably really pretentious. I mean, I don't know if you want to hear about this, but it kind of, it was just happening and happening and I was just letting it go. And I did, there were these conversations with people and staff members that it's like, well, this is what you're going to do. Like, like, this is it. This is it. And you're here for life. And I was like, oh, God. And then we were doing a show in Newcastle just down the road and it was after the show. My mum had just dropped me off at the hotel. Someone walked up behind me and, like, just grabbed me on the shoulder and they said, right, we're going to kill you. Are you ready? And I was like, What? And classic Adam as well. My mom had just handed me this really beautiful bottle of red wine and then all of a sudden seven people grabbed me from behind and pulled me to the ground. But what's my instinct? Save the bottle. Save the bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so I gently place the bottle. Well, I try to anyway. I put the bottle down, my head hits the concrete and then I'm just, I'm out. And then I wake up and... Like, I'm lying on the the hood of some car, like, just pinned to the car. And then they're just like, give us your wallet and your phone or we're going to kill you. And I'm like, I don't have anything. And then they, like, smashed me across the face and I just remember my jaw dislocating. And then they were hitting me. And then I had, like, this real, I mean, how it sounds weird, like, out-of-body experience. And I just remember standing above myself, kind of looking at myself being beaten. And then I remember saying, like, get back in your body quick and ask and scream for help. And then I just managed to scream out, help. And someone looked over their balcony and then just, I don't, I don't really remember what happened after that. Adam. I mean, that's like, it was insane. Yeah. And then, you know, there was lots of things that happened afterwards. Like my back was really bad, my ribs, my jaw. And, but I remember going back to Queensland going, oh my God, like, imagine if I just stay here all this time and I've almost just died and I haven't really taken a chance or done anything that I actually really wanted to do.
0: Okay, so it was like a catalyst for... Well,
1: I think you could do it two ways, couldn't you? You could just be like, I had the crap beaten out of me or I have had the sense beaten into into me and I had to look at it that way. And so I went to Francois and I just kind of said, I'm mentally not coping very well um, since the eating I just have to end my contract like I can't come back
0: I'm so sorry that happened well
1: yeah it was
0: and in your hometown you've just done a performance we've just done a show
1: okay. yeah I don't blame Newcastle for oh, it like no. it was just some guy completely high walking down the street it could have been anyone
0: so you use that as the for whatever reason hmm. the moment to leave Queensland Ballet I
1: did but I've never been unemployed a day and it's like a dancer. That is just
0: yeah, it's insane. Yeah.
1: So when I was in, I think, coming back from Newcastle or maybe when I had just gone down to visit a friend, I went in and took class with Sydney Dance Company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And at the time, Brett Morgan was the rehearsal director and Graham Murphy was the director. Amazing. Amazing. Like two incredible, influential, beautiful people. And so fortunate. Like the day I told Francois... I got a phone call from, I think it was Graham, just saying, we're going to China, a dancer's injured, can you come with us in two weeks? What? I know.
0: I mean, that doesn't happen.
1: It does not happen. So we go to China and do this show, and one of the dancers, right before we went on tour, injures both their legs. And I want to dance with you. And so I go over. It's literally
0: Strictly Ballroom. It's Strictly Ballroom.
1: But I was just, I think I had like a walk-on role, but I was understudying everyone. And so then I just go on and I do this trio that he was meant to do. And Graham and Janet, like, bless them, were just like, we don't have contracts, but we're going to make it happen for next year. And then they found a sponsor and someone sponsored my contract for the entire year. And from then I went on. And did another four or five years at Sydney Dance Company. Do you know, what? I feel like I did my five years there, or four or five years, and I could just feel myself getting a little bit the
0: same. That the same, the
1: same energy. And I was like, "Do not let it take another beating before you move on." Mm-hmm. So, I was really honest. I told the rehearsal director, and then I had a really great conversation with Raphael Bonicello, who was then the director, and I told him I was going to leave, and then I. I mean, it was just the weekend before I was a bit shifty. I flew to Adelaide and just kind of met with Gary Stewart. And then the day that happened, he was like, Adam, do you want to come and do a four-month tour of um, Europe with ADT? I'm like, yes, I do. And so then my kind of connection with ADT started and...
0: So that's Australian Dance Theatre. That's theater. Australian
1: Dance Theatre. Gary Stewart's the artistic director, like brilliant choreographer, brilliant group of dancers, and completely different in style and something I had never done. Or if you had told me, because I had friends who had joined ADT in um when I was in Queensland Ballet, and you know, phenomenal movers, just like like, just so different to what yeah. I could do. And if you had told me, like, at that stage that in tens, like eight years, oh, you'll be dancing with that company, I was like, there's no way I would have believed it. Anyway, I did the tour and I just felt like at the end of the tour, I was like, I need to move. I just need another challenge. Yeah. So I moved to London for a few years and then bounced around For two and a half, three years, just doing like independent projects. Like, again, I was so lucky, like just never unemployed. Like the day I landed in UK, my friend Theo, who had um, been Raphael Bonicella's assistant when he had first come out to choreograph on Sydney Dance Company Mm -hmm. and we had become friends and he said, do you want to audition for World War Z? Wow. The movie, you know, the Brad Pitt thing. So I went to the audition. They said, can you do an impersonation of a dog with rabies? So I did my impersonation of a dog with rabies. <laughs> I mean, born for some roles, like, you know. <laughs> so I do my impersonation, Alan, they're like, you've got the job. It takes months to get going, but in the meantime, I have a few other projects, and I just meet on the set of this movie, the best group of people, like, you have ever met. Like, so we dress up as zombies. We're in Glasgow, dressed up as zombies for two weeks. They're so <laughs> far behind on schedule, so we don't even... We don't even do anything. We are stuck in this tiny little room with no windows, dressed up as zombies, like, bouncing off the walls for two (laughs) weeks. Like, it's just nuts. But from that zombie group, I made so many friends and for the next three years just bounced around doing jobs with them, operas, more movies, some musicals. Like, it was just nuts. Contemporary shows. And then when that ended, because my visa expired, I came back to work with Australian Dance Theatre again and... I'm still conservative, mm. I think, but then maybe by my second or third year I start to come a little bit more out of my shell. Like I've always been a and bit so have loud. You, have you come out? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. <laughs> just say it. <laughs> I mean, you don't
0: have to. I go there if you don't want to. But
1: I came out in not perhaps the best way, but I did it. And um, in maybe my second year at Sydney Dance Company.
0: Why? And so you think you just held it for so long Yes. Because?
1: Well, there had been moments where... Yeah.
0: Because I would say that those close to you probably knew.
1: Absolutely. And I think it just got to a point where I was like, I couldn't hide it anymore. Mm. Yeah. And classic me style. Like, do you know what I did? Like, before I, like, sent the texts or whatever, on the call to certain people. Like, I just walked around listening to Philip Glass all day, (laughs) like around the park, lot more. so already my, I don't know, this is my head. Energy's high. Oh, my God, I'm constantly living in a film. (laughs) (laughs) But your
0: parents, from what you've described, you could anticipate that, you know, mum and dad living in a small country town, but your parents are the most incredible, supportive people.
1: They are, aren't they? And isn't yeah. it funny that at the time I just didn't feel that way or feel that I could communicate anything like that with them? I mean, again, it was of a different time and they're incred- They're a lot more liberated now than what – or maybe I just see it differently now as maybe. well. But I didn't see them as that when I was a kid. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I-,
0: I don't know if this is oversharing, but I remember – Sleeping over at your house, you know, when we were what, eight, nine, ten? Yeah. And we would sleep in the big double bed out in the lounge room. Yes. And I remember your mum saying to my mum, Oh, well, Adam's not going to cause any problems, <laughs> it'd be Claudia. Oh, really?
1: oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so. <laughs> She must have even had an inkling back then.
1: I know. Oh, those sleepovers were the best. Oh, weren't they amazing? Do you remember when we got on, I'm pretty sure it was like 102.9, like, you know, (laughs) the radio station and we requested, I got you, babe. I sure. (laughs) And like, that was a huge deal that we got. And we recorded it. Love songs and dedications. Love songs and dedications. And we recorded it and we'd play it every time we had our sleepover. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's actually really sweet.
0: It is. So you're out now. You're more comfy in your skin?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And free, was in love for a little bit. Like, it was just, it was nice. It was like, I felt very comfortable. I love Sydney. Mm. Like, I'm a big fan of Sydney.
0: And so you come back to Australia. Yeah. You've had all these experiences. And where's the headspace now?
1: Well, I think I went back to ADT and I think the physicality of what I was doing in UK was a lot less demanding than the stuff that I was used to in Australia. Mm. So I think just the strength of my body, like, wasn't up to where it was. When I had gone over and during, I should have said, during Sydney Dance Company years, I had a really bad knee injury during a rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And so because of this, they removed my cartilage and my my meniscus in my knee. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the reasons I left Sydney Dance as well is I was in pain. A lot of the time, and I had this incredible Pilates teacher, Simone Smiles, and she does. She's so cute, and (laughs) (laughs) she's a smile. She is. Oh my god, so many funny stories. Because I used to go to her three times a week at six in the morning before rehearsals. So tired, but she was incredible, and she really helped me to kind of keep my body together for those last like two or three years. And I mean, one. Thank you, work couple, and then <laughs> and then so I didn't have the money to sustain that when I was in London. No. So coming back and then going into ADT, my knee was just kaput. Okay. Like kaput. So we get to Canberra and we were doing this show called G, which is kind of loosely based around the Ballet Giselle, but so physically demanding. Like the whole thing moves from one stage to the other. So you get to one side of the stage and then you have to like bolt around to the other side of the stage. So it's like running a marathon as well as doing the show. And Giselle is. Oh my God. It's so intense. I mean, I miss that body, Mm. you know, just like.
0: You're just having that fitness. and Fit.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Fit. And then anyway, we get to Canberra and it was like someone had just put rocks into my knee. And so I was just like, I think I couldn't even stretch it. I couldn't stand. I was like, it's done. Classic Adam style. Like later that day, because I was just like, they're like, yep, yeah, we're going to send you home. Like there's no point. And at this point, like I'd moved from London to Adelaide to do this show. I'm like, I have no home. Like where am I? Like, oh, I see. Where am I going to go? So I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <I'm home. laughs> <I'm home>. And <laughs> I, I have to go leg. back to Cessna. <laughs> 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 Oh, God. But later that day, I get a phone call from the incredible and my dear friend Sarah Bolter, mm-hmm. who was, who I'd met when we were, like, when I was in my, t- like, early 20s mm-hmm. at an audition but hadn't seen since then. And she was, like, this, she, I run this school called Evanbow, and we're doing a two-week development, Larissa McGowan Larissa McGowan is. Sorry, everyone, I touched the table. (laughs) (laughs) I just got a face because I touched the table. The mics
0: are like wobbling
1: off the table. Okay, (laughs) sorry. Me trying not to talk with my hands is like the (laughs) hardest thing ever. (laughs) Okay, sorry, everyone, if there was a loud noise. So, Evan Bo. Evan Bo. Larissa McGowan, who I'd worked with at Australian Dance Theatre as well, Mm -hmm. they were like, she can't do the second week. Are you available to come in and choreograph something next week? What
0: is this luck with you and work?
1: I know. I am so a bit lucky like that. I like, love it. I know. You're
0: easy to work with. You're
1: a good, like, you know what I mean? You bring and, the energy. And I had never choreographed anything. Well, I said, okay, this is how I said it before. Like I had, in my head, I was like, I've never choreographed anything. Like a show, but a piece of so work. that's not true. Well. Except for when we were kids. Yeah. I mean. But that was like all you did. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And then, do you know mm. what? I think that was something about the Australian Ballet School where I felt like that creativity mm. was beaten out of me a little bit, just because you well, know, they're every-
0: producing dancers,
1: right? And a certain kind and a certain look, mm-hmm. and yeah, I just felt like it. Kind of, my interest in choreography then just kind of faded away. Yeah. And then when I got to be in a company, I just kind of liked mm. being. The dancer being the body. My head didn't think that way. So you had never had dreams to become a choreographer? No. In fact, when people asked me about it, I just kind of went, no, I have no interest. But never. So interesting. But like most things. Because I
0: would have said from the moment I knew you that you were going to be a choreographer of musical
1: theatre. Really? Mm. I feel like I've always wanted to do something. Like, no matter what, I'm always going to be involved in dance. That Mm. was never a thing. And I probably always would have done something... Creative, oh god! Like I've done some weird things as well. Like when I, when I was leaving, you'll find this funny. So when I was leaving London, I maxed out my credit card, like maxed it out, and went to LA because I was going to be an improv comedian. (laughs) (laughs) I was. So I go to LA. Oh, Adam! Like literally, like. On the last bit of money I have, like on this credit card. You did not do a comedy show. No, I auditioned for the Groundlings. You know that <laughs> improv comedy group. Oh god, Claudia! Like this, and I was like, in my head, I was like, this is it, because I think I was obsessed with like Tina Fey and all that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'd been, oh. I'd been watching you know, 30 <laughs> too Rock, much Thirty Rock. <laughs> too much Thirty Rock. I was like, that's the life. I love Christian Wig. I want to hang out with them. <laughs> <laughs> So I go to LA. I do the audition. What are you
0: talking about? What jokes are you telling?
1: I didn't tell a joke. It was like, you know, improv. So they give you like a scene and then you just have to go for it. But I was paired with this guy. You know, those people that automatically like take stuff to the toilet. They're like, all right, you're picking daisies <laughs> in a field. And he'd be like, oops, you've stepped in something. And I'm like, oh God, okay, we're here already. So, But like in my head, I'm going, like, what am I doing? Like, I have just struggled being a dancer for the past 15 years and now I'm going to be going to improv comedy? Like, I obviously don't. Like, what? what? Like, the life of the tortured artist. Oh, my God. So I do one day and then I'm like, no. And then I go down to Del Mar, which is like an hour and a half down the coast because, again, with Simone Smiles, like the amazing Pilates teacher, she had just done a course with a guy called Julian Littleford who was...
0: I've heard that name.
1: Yeah, he's like a Pilates guru who really worked with Martha Graham and I knew that ah. he lived in Del Mar. So I just messaged him and was like, can I come down to Del Mar and do Pilates for a week with you? So amazing. So I go down and do Pilates for a week with Julian Littleford and I'm like, oh, this this is more me. This is more me. Like
0: <laughs> This is where I'm physically...
1: I, lo- I feel comfortable. <laughs> I can talk about dance. <laughs> but-,
0: but I guess what I want to know is how have we moved from... Adam, professional dancer, Sydney Dance Company, you're in World War Z, to now you're asked to be a choreographer for Evan Bow. Yeah,
1: and I, I, I mean, I didn't. But
0: when did your headspace be like, hmm, choreography?
1: Um, I think it was more like, ooh, paycheck.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Reality.
1: Reality, mean... like, okay, I need a job.
0: Yeah. Okay, so the body is like, the knees gone. The
1: knees gone. You
0: don't have the physical fitness that you had. No. And so you need to pay your rent.
1: I need to pay my rent. Well, no, I don't have to pay rent because I've got nowhere oh, to okay. live.
0: <laughs> You're hanging in Denmark.
1: I need to pay off the credit card. That's why. <laughs> anyway, so I go and live with my parents for like three months in Cessnock, which was nice because, you know, I hadn't spent much time with them and I would go to Sydney every couple of days and stay with my sister. This was a really fun time, actually. And just, also
0: just like to reconnect as an adult with your parents, I think is sometimes
1: 100%. amazing. 100%. And yeah. I moved out of home when I was 15 and never went back. Yeah. So... We hadn't really spent much time together. So I just fall into it like that. And I do the thing for Evanbow. And now I think back about it. Like it was just probably not very good. <laughs> but I was like, just make something. And then, do you know what? When I was in London, I started teaching for Rombert, the mm-hmm. school. I started to... You know, just start to do the odd job teaching here and there, mm-hmm. and I loved it when I was doing it. at Rombear. and that I was doing that for like the last four months that I lived in London. Okay, the contemporary Rombert, school, like
0: you know, that's not your sort of little ballet school in a no, school and hall. the
1: standard was amazing, <laughs> and it was
0: amazing. It was
1: a great gig, and then so. I feel like I felt more comfortable teaching,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then Evan Bo offered me a permanent teaching job. And from there, it happened so quickly. It like, really has. I've got this amazing friend called Christine Denny, and she kind of set up a few things for me. She offered me a workshop in Bundaberg, and from there, I have never. I just I, the teaching kind of just exploded, yeah. and I do love it. I love 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 teaching. Mm. I love the kids. I nothing makes me happier than when someone gets better. Mm. And, you know, you see someone who improves and invests. And, you know, I love that it takes time. Yeah. Some kids can do it, you know, in one step. But some, you know, I love that it's four or five years. And then mm. you finally see them, like, blossom into something. And I get a real kick out of that. So the teaching I just loved. From that, though, I guess it's funny you say I'm a choreographer. Because sometimes, I mean, I love you it. You do
0: feel that. I don't
1: feel it. Like, I know I've created so many things. And I'm always, like, I choreograph all day, every mm. day whether it be a little film clip or a music video or it's in a Stedford solo or I'm preparing a group or it's someone's audition video, like it never stops. But maybe I just don't feel like I've had that gig that kind of solidifies it.
0: Mm. Do you think that's close? I would hope so. Mm. I have a few things in the works.
1: Let's hope so. I'm not going to jinx it by talking about it, no. but that would be Incredible. ideal.
0: So what I want to end with, I want to ask, do you think it's different for boys going through now?
1: Yes, 100%, yes, 100%. I mean, one, the family support is Mm. super different, I think. Maybe people are just more educated about it as well. Like it's everywhere now, Mm. you know, social media, TV shows, films. Like it's more in your face and more accepted. Mm. I mean, some of the children that I teach who are like 10 and 11 and right through to teenagers are so incredibly comfortable in their skin, I'm just like... Holy moly. And even the parent, I almost think sometimes like it's almost too, too far. Like that the parents are so supportive and they're like, he's gay, he's gay, he's gay. I'm like, he's 10 still, like he doesn't know. Like this might be the first generation where people have to say like, I'm sorry mum, but I'm straight. How
0: <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> you go go back in the closet. <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> Like it's crazy to even think about that, but I, I can see what you're saying. It's like but the support is there, but yeah. is it to the point where that person doesn't even get to determine their own sexuality
1: or their own path? I just think it's so weird. Maybe when you just talk about homosexuality, you just talk about sex so quickly. Mm. Like it's so quick to just jump to sex. Rather when than, I don't think it's about that, is no, it? Like it's, like it's just so fluid. Yeah, it is. And I think that's kind of the also, hard thing. And also, like,
0: different places at different times. Like, at 15, you're completely different to what you are as like, 25,
1: 28. 100%. Mm. So you can only imagine the headspace of someone 10 or... Hmm. But I know bullying's still an issue, but that just comes from... That's just more like a reflection of what someone's feeling inside themselves, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like, you can...
0: You can it, yeah. And,
1: just, mm. I mean, you can't make people do that, can you? No. But...
0: Hopefully, like like, talking um, about kindness, inclusivity, diversity, more.
1: And as a teacher to these boys and things as well, I hope I give them a space where they feel comfortable to be themselves, Mm. and they can, you know, they feel that they're not judged and they're supported no matter what they do.
0: Yeah, because I feel like even reflecting back, I feel like you had that to some extent. Like even that your mum and dad said, "Yep, he's going." when they would have been well aware you are the only kid. Yeah. Male kid there. (laughs) Adam, thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Claude. (laughs) Should we go for a wine? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Since we spoke, Adam has been named as Australian Associate Choreographer for the brand-new Broadway musical Jagged Little Pill. Adam continues to teach and to choreograph for the rising stars of the ballet and contemporary dance world, and he is also the director of Progressing Contemporary Technique. To sign up to any of his courses and to find out where he teaches and choreographs, you can find him on Instagram at Adam C. Blanche. Adam and I met in Newcastle to record our interview on the land of the Awabakal people, to which we pay our greatest respects. Talking Points is produced by Fjord Review. Remember to subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you like us, please leave a five-star review. On the next episode, you'll hear from worldwide teacher and the founder of Progressing Ballet Technique, Marie Walton-Marne. If someone had told me that in 2012 it would be on the curriculum today in over 4,600 schools worldwide, I would have laughed at them. Seriously, I'm humbled, but I would have seriously laughed at them. Your host and producer is me, Claudia Lawson. Additional production by Penelope Ford, with editing and sound production by Martin Peralta. And for the latest in all things dance, head to fjordreview.com.